G'day and welcome to another episode of the Beyond the Fence podcast and today it is a menagerie of basketball chat and joining me I've got two guests that are really keen to come back on. Uh, first up, Chris, Chris De Silva from Wild World of Sports was fanging for a more draft talk after last week. How are you, mate? Good, man. Um, the excitement just, just continued um, after the draft and uh, I missed you, it's fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and also joining us is not former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver Steve Smith from the SBM, mate. How are you? Mate, I'm uh, a bit flat, I've got to be honest. The uh, the Boomers' loss has uh, taken a bit out of me. Yeah. And uh, as desperate as I was to talk to you again, I wasn't as desperate as Chris. <laughs> no. Yeah. I was making the, the 415 joke, weren't you? I twisted it on you. Yeah, yeah. Got me there. Got me good. Yes. <laughs> Um, just before we get started, I did obviously, as I usually do, I hope I hopefully cast the question net out. And obviously I played up the, uh, the fact that you're here today. Oh gracious, Stephen. <laughs> and boy, oh boy, did we get some hits with the, <laughs> the level of questions we've got for later. <laughs> got, got exactly what you deserved. <laughs> I got what I wanted more than anything. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but let's start with, I guess, the, the oldest news. We'll work chronologically over the last week or so. Um, and Steve, you can sit this one out because you're a fan of a good team that doesn't have draft picks. Yeah, I, I can't relate. I can't relate. <laughs> no, the NBA draft, Chris, we obviously spoke at length about this last week. Um, yeah. And, and focusing more on the top because that's all we really care about. Yeah. Mostly went to form. Mm-hmm. But we both, well, you called it more than up because I obviously brought it up last week. If there was one person that was going to jump up into that preconceived, you know, cast iron top four, it was going to be Scotty Barnes. And yeah. look at you, you were proven right. There we go. Woj, Woj, I'm coming. <laughs> what, what do you reckon Toronto is doing picking Barnes that high? Um, it's it's a tough one. I think we all thought um that. You know, everyone looking at the draft thought, well, once they got four, you know, we assume Kyle Lowry's out the door and Suggs would be a perfect fit. But um, I don't know if it, if this pick shows that they like Barnes. It shows how much they like Barnes or how much they didn't like Suggs, if you get what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Maybe uh, they thought that, you know, Suggs wasn't going to grow – like. Like, he was sort of the finished product. He wasn't going to grow, whereas Scotty Barnes has a lot more room for growth. But I think it's a it's a pick that you make as a GM when you're when you're comfortable, you know. I think if, if a team where the GM was on the hot seat was making a pick, I think you would go for the safer pick. But um, Masai is virtually bulletproof in Toronto, and I think, at this position, he probably saw a chance to swing and potentially hit a home run. I was going to say, it really is a, a Masai Ujiri pick, isn't it? Like, yeah. it's straight out of the box. Yeah, no question. Like, just a guy who, you know, you ch- we spoke about it last week as well. Like, you just chuck him out on a wing alongside OG and, like, you can just see them wreak havoc. And... Yeah, it's de- it's definitely an upside pro- upside play. There's no question. 
It's it's funny you bring up the whole like safe pick for Suggs versus Barnes. It's so ironic to me because Suggs is like the way we're talking. He's like he's 28 years old and he's got nothing left. He's only two months older than Scotty Barnes. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? I guess it just it just speaks to how good he was in college then that he just looks like a pro and everyone's just kind of turned him into this ho hum prospect. Yeah, it, it's funny. Like the the draft is so much about like we get we get seduced by you know, the uncertainty, and I guess that's why you saw Suggs 4-5, to because really he is, we know what he is, and, and you know, the areas for growth maybe aren't as apparent in, in terms of he has less less flaws in his game, which, which made him fall, which seems absurd, but hey, that's the top of the draft for you. Oh, on the flip side of that coin, Orlando's pretty happy with themselves getting Suggs in. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I just love that. You know, the moment he fell, um, I just thought, how good is this for Orlando? Uh, franchise is crying for a guy like that. Um, you know, a, a culture setter, and everyone expects him to just come through the door and and immediately impact winning. And I think um, that franchise has needed needed someone like that for a long, long time. So getting him and then getting Franz Wagner, who a lot of people think will be able to help next year as well, um, was a fantastic night for the Magic. Yeah, and like Scotty Barnes, it's just like this whole thing, like you said, it's the intrigue. I guess they have to just like, they must see him as a point guard going forward, like future, because, and that's like, the shooting is what it is. It's not great. But yeah. if you can turn this guy into even like a semblance of a point guard, then Masai just looks like a, a genius as usual. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like uh, the tendency, you know, for a lot of these like wings when you get them in is, oh, yeah, we can stick this guy in the corner. But you really can't do that with, with um, Scotty Barnes. So he's best used, at, at least at the moment, is going to be with him handling the ball. And obviously Lowry's gone and um, Dragic is there now. So it'll be interesting to see how, just how many reps he gets like that and, and how they use him, whether they use him, you know, as a as a cutter, as a screener, things like that. He can sort of, if you use him as a role guy in a pick and roll, and he can, um, you know, facilitate off the short roll um, and attack four on threes, if you like, um, that could be a way that they could use him as well. If you feel a bit left out, so I'm going to bring you into this discussion. <laughs> How good do you think Cade Cunningham is going to be? And just, you know, feel free to take your time on this one. I'll just, I'll happily listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no more questions. This is it. This is the <laughs> Yeah, it's, no, all just, all, it's all just Cade chat from just, here. Yeah, well, sorry, were there 59 other draft picks? I think so. <laughs> How excited are you, honestly? Well, I'd be like, like no, nah, we're not going to keep this highbrow. There, there were a lot of erection jokes flying around on Friday. <laughs> like, my goodness, it was... And look, I took the day off work, um, took an annual leave day. I've got a few banked up, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to enjoy this moment. Not like that. But I'm going to enjoy this moment. <laughs> I'm going to watch this. And like, someone pointed out to me, so you've taken the day off work for five minutes that you know was going to happen. And I was like, well, <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> it's more just like, 
basking in the online reaction after. But no, honestly, it's it's so good to finally like this franchise has been so like mediocre and mediocre, so tired for for ten yeah. years. Yeah, like people. Since 2000, well, yeah, when LeBron ended that first year, so what, 2008 or so. Yep. Um, yeah, this franchise has just been sleepwalking, um, you know, regularly 29th or worse in attendance. Um, this is the first time in my active um, watching team that, like, it, it's you can feel the energy is, like, palpable yeah. around the franchise. Like, you've got... If you even like just take Kate out of it, even from last year, picking two all uh, sorry all rookie guys, plus the guy that's meant to be a point guard of the future who was injured, and then like Jeremy Grant, probably going to be an Olympic gold medalist, um, you know, and just finally a bit of momentum because like this franchise is middling and you know eighth seed at best, um, so it's good to finally see and like. As much as you don't really care about what other people think, it's good to see other interest outside of the Detroit fan base in the Pistons for once. Yeah, I how I want to know this, Ben. When when Cade, you know, he gets interviewed um, by Malika Andrews and he chucks the sunnies on <laughs> Detroit. How how much did your heart rate increase by? Look, when he said he was buffed up, and look, I have never been to Detroit in my life except for driving through it once when I was driving to Canada from Indiana. Yeah. Um, but even for me, who's like pretty disconnected from the city itself, like seeing him like embrace it and putting up, they're called buffs, Cartier buffs, just quietly. Yeah. Um, seeing him buff up and speaking to the fan base, like for <laughs> me as a as a alien on the other side of the world, it was great. I can't imagine what it would have been like for an actual Detroiter. Like, <laughs> just from an aesthetic, just from an aesthetic point of view, though, he's got an incredible voice. Oh, <laughs> he, he's, he's very well spoken. He's like well spoken, and it's sure. and it's just an, a, a voice you want to listen to. I could listen to that man. Him and would, I could listen to him and Scotty Pippen on a podcast all day. <laughs> would you Would you say he's um? Oh, I've forgotten the word. Mellifluous. Mellifluous. I was going to say yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah. People were saying he was like the the one of the or sorry the most well spoken. Um, uh, Maybe not even first pick, just pick in general in like the last five, ten years. He, he seems very mature for for his age. Yeah, he just seems he seems really comfortable, man. Like like we picked Evan Mobley, and he sounded like what you would expect a nineteen, twenty year old kid who just got drafted and achieved his dream to sound like. You know, he was soft spoken, you know, stuttering a bit. Everything's really short. Whereas Cade is just polished beyond his years, and um, He's like hundred percent got a, a TV future. I have no doubt at all. When, when Greg Kelso eventually decides to retire from color commentating, we can have Cade <laughs> on the back of his three championships, five MVPs. He can just step <laughs> right into that role. Setting the bar low, I see. Oh, you know, under promise, over deliver. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So how many points do you think Cade will score in his first trip to Boston, Steve? Uh, are, we, are we counting pre-season here? Is this... <laughs> no, no, no. Um, when, 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 look, when his first... What's, what's the expectation here? Like, uh, in all seriousness, like, if he averaged 20, 22 a game, is that, is, that about, is that the ceiling in his rookie year? 
Oh, the ceiling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's the floor. Uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't even expect it to go that high. Yeah. Frank. Um, I reckon, yeah. like, 25 and 5, like, that would be a a very, very good rookie season for him. Yeah. That, that, oh, I, feel like already, I feel like if he maxed out, that, that'd be about where he's at. Yeah. For the, yeah. Well, you, all you got to remember is Jeremy Grant last year was the guy, right? Yeah. Um, and even he only averaged uh, 22 or so. And that was with a lot of usage and just forcing him a lot of shots. Yeah. Yeah. What what helps Cade, I guess, if you wanted to make that argument that he's going to, you know, score 20, 25 points a game straight away, which I don't think he will, but um, is a lot of the other guys on the team are quite passive offensively in terms of their more catch-and-shoot guys. Like, there isn't yeah. a lot of creation out of him. Like, I can, I can it, see them deferring. For as good as yeah. he is, is is a catch and shoot guy. Keen Hayes is a playmaker, so he's going to be feeding Cade. Um, Jeremy Grant is a slasher, and then like even guys like Diallo and Josh Jackson are a bit all over the place. So yeah, the, the it's the it, the opportunity's there. I just don't think it'll happen. There's a void there though for him to fill, like in terms of just taking the reins, like taking it all by the horns. Like you, you could absolutely see veterans deferring to him. Yeah, you could. Well, what I think is going to stop that, at least from a purely uh, numerical point of view, is I don't think he's going to he's going to be the the quote unquote point guard because mm. I don't think he's going to be the main creator. He, he might finish a lot of stuff, but he won't start a lot of stuff. So I don't think no. he'll touch the ball every time. Um, but on yeah, look, his offensive game being what it is at all three levels, there's definitely going to be times where they just feed him and get out of the way. Like I said, especially with a lot of the guys being, A, young themselves, like Jeremy Grant's the grandpa yeah. of the team, and he's 27. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but then also, yeah, like no one else on that team is really that offensive alpha. Excuse me, Kelly Olenek, please. <laughs> I... I can we just save that bit for the end where I can just, <laughs> where you can find the glass shattering? Fine, we can leave it till later. Fine. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but this is, this is Boston's payback. <laughs> Kelly Olynyk will forever be in my good graces because of game seven versus Washington. So game seven, Kelly Olynyk is, uh, that's, you know, that's on the DVR, you know, do not delete. He's, he's forever in my bad graces because of game. <laughs> yeah, look, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, you didn't you didn't mean it. Uh, Kelly. Oh, yeah, he's he's yeah. gonna get he's like he's gotta be the the I mean, he's he's just gonna get booed like in Cleveland until he retires. <laughs> you guys are yeah, petty. petty. You still want a championship. Petty. Uh <laughs> Um, moving on from Olinick, because I really don't want to dwell on him. For all people. <laughs> we've we've just lost half the listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, two people have just turned up in disgust. <laughs> uh, I'm going to flip it on you, Chris, about Evan Mobley. What are your expectations for him? Um, again, like it's tough because he's he's so different to Cade in that, um, you know, he's maybe not as polished. So, like. Why he why he goes so high is more about what he can be eventually rather than what he is at the moment. So he's not not a guy that you're going to dump the ball down to, you know, to eight ten times a game and 
and he's not going to have a lot of higher usage. I think I envisage him being more of a play finisher than a a facilitator, even though he's got that in his game. So I think for where where this team can use him, you know, right out of the gate is on the defensive end. So, you know, f- for me, if he comes in and he combines well with Jared Allen and Okoro, and really we see the Cavs have a respectable, you know, defense throughout the year, I think that'll be a success. Um, and then anything, anything we get on the offensive end is sort of almost a bonus, really, for, for, for me. Is he going to start? Uh, this is a big question. I mean, we do we know? We don't know what, what will happen with Kevin Love. I think, you know, if Kev's still on the roster, I think it's hard to envisage him not starting. Um, that is uh, Kevin Love. So if I think if Kev's there, Mobley probably comes off the bench to start with. Um, but if he's not, then... I. I'd probably say Mobley starts and he he has Nance beside either beside him at the three, um, which JB Big Stuff has done from time to time, or or behind him off the bench. The tough one because you you'd probably think Love get get gets a buyout, but it just depends on when that happens, doesn't it? Yeah, it's I mean, you know, we've seen Kemba Walker got bought out yesterday, so I think that gives us a little bit more hope that it it's probably around the corner. But having said that, I mean, this is a guy that we've thought will get traded every season he's been in Cleveland, yeah. still there. So, um, yeah, it's hard to know. Like, it, it, I think both sides obviously would be uh, open to a buyout. It's just a matter of how much money he's willing to yeah on the table. Yeah, I just, I just from from an outsider's perspective, I feel like that. That relationships come to the end of the road. Like it's just both 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 parties want that, and I think it's probably time. Yeah, it, and it's I think it's a tough one because the you know the idea of Kevin on this team really mm. fits. You know, um, yeah, we, yeah. We need shooting in it in in the worst way, um, and we you know his his veteran leadership. You know, he's at his best. He's a really good locker room guy. You know, he get you know he he's um, little Kev persona helped so much in 2016, <laughs> even though even though that wasn't brought on all by him. Like so, the idea of Kevin Love is great, but um, yeah, I'm very much uh, of the belief that you know he he's a guy that's going to get his jersey retired one day. So you'd you'd want to part ways in a way that's you know not messy, so that um, this guy can come back in. Yeah. Five, ten, however many years, and and there's no bad blood. Yeah, you don't want to give him the Kyrie exit. Nah, hey, hey, the the Kyrie the the Kyrie relationship is great. We had the we had the tribute video four years after he left, and everything's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I should have had my wrong shit open the whole time. Ah, Jalen Green. That's why I wanted to bring this up. So I'll start with the the. The serious question first. Long term, I guess Steve, you can answer this one. Long term, do you think he's the the guy out of this draft? Uh, that's a, it's hard because how, yeah, blokes would project for me. It's still Cade, 
Like, like, yeah, in, in, I agree. In, 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 <laughs> in five years' time, like, th- this is the flyer that, that you, you kind of take. And I guess with Masai, like, I think, you know, him taking Barnes is, is probably the bigger flyer. But Green, it, I was surprised. I was kind of surprised he went at two because I know, I know talking to Chris that the Cavs were very keen on him. So, yeah, how does that – Houston is, is, is such a work in progress that it's, it's almost impossible to know how that's going to look. I, I just – there's so much potential in him, though, isn't there? Yeah, it seems like, it seems like it's almost like an like a ownership pick, if that makes sense. Like, you a know, little bit, yeah. Ownership in Houston, you know, if you're talking about the owners, you, they've gone from – James having James Harden for what seven eight years and playoff run after playoff run and now suddenly you're you've got a franchise that's void of a guy who's going to put bums on the seat and Jalen Jalen Green is that guy so um, it seems as if it's a pick sort of to say hey look we've got this sexy product to come and come and watch and but having said that it's not like they've gone out you know crazily off the board and picked a guy no to be eighth or ninth or whatever like no this isn't an anthony bennett situation yeah oh trigger warning mate (laughs) sorry sorry (laughs) 30 years from now any mention of that will still be too soon like can i just can i just step in to defend that like if i remember correctly there wasn't even there wasn't really a consensus number one no but he wasn't he wasn't no i know four you know, like there were other picks that you could have made that were more defensible than taking a flyer on Bennett. I mean, yeah, it's, it, like in hindsight, it's probably Oladipo, but like, oh, God, or Nolan's Noel, or in hindsight, hindsight, it's Giannis, but that yeah. was never going to happen. So. Yeah, it's funny. There's a um, there's a story that like I think it was um, the podcast that Woj did the the Giannis draft ones. Oh yeah. And I think it's the Hawks GM who says they called Cleveland. Um, it was either, oh, I can't remember what GM, but they called Cleveland once, um, David Stern comes out and says, okay, Cavs are on the clock. They got five minutes. Um, whatever, whoever it was, the rival, um, front office called Cleveland and said, okay, who, who are you guys going to take? And who, the person from the Cavs front office was like, we don't know. And, <laughs> and, and whoever made the call was like, look, like, you can just tell us, like, and he's like, no, no, we legitimately don't know. <laughs> and like, that obviously showed with the pick. Anyway, yeah. this is enough Anthony Bennett talk. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Anthony. Um, last week, one of our serious questions was, um, is Cade the unanimous rookie of the year? And we both said, no. Um, if there is a guy that's going to challenge him, would you imagine it's Jalen Green, though, just purely for that whole, like, numbers narrative? Yeah. I think, you know, bad team, if they improve, ever, you know, if they improve on the number of wins, however incrementally, and he's at the, in the middle of that, that that gives him some credence. But, yeah, I, I still don't, I still don't, I, I think it, it's Cades to lose, isn't it? Really? Oh, I hope so. Could it be Suggs? Look, it could be. It could be like yeah. it could be any of the top 
six, I guess, just purely, except maybe Barnes. I don't think Barnes will be like up in that narrative. But but if you know if, if Jalen Green ends up averaging like twenty a game on a terrible team, or if Evan Mobley just turns into this unicorny type player, or if Cade just does what everyone thinks Cade's going to do, yeah, you know, that's, then yeah, like I'd, I'd say it's more going to be people taking votes away from Cade. Yeah, um, but like any sort of serious, at least right now, things can change, obviously. But right now, that's how I'm reading it. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think um, yeah, Green's the one, the main threat. Um, but Steve's absolutely spot on. It, it is Cades to lose. I, I don't know how active you two are on the old Instagram, but uh, I just wanted to bring this up. I thought it was hilarious when Jalen Green posted his like "Welcome to Houston" thing, and he's like, "I'm down in Houston like Kareem." I'm a rocket. And he just got absolutely <laughs> roasted. Like, did you mean Hakeem? Such a no. great start for Jalen Green in Houston. Well, to be honest, this is not entirely this is not entirely Jalen Green's fault. This is Future's fault. This this <laughs> lyric has pissed me off for years, right? <laughs> he clearly he clearly meant to say Hakeem and said yeah. Kareem. Yeah. And from the moment I heard that lyric, it is it has eaten me. <laughs> so poor poor Jalen Green. Steve, did you know it was a future song? Oh, okay, are we really doing this? Really? <laughs> no, I, I want I want defence because I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, I'd heard the lyric before. Oh, what? Am I the <laughs> Am I the boomer? <laughs> yes. Oh damn it! Um, all right, now Steve's been hanging on for this bit. He's like, "Look, if we talk draft, just give me. I can talk about this bloke till the cows come home." That I old, literally did say that. That's true. That old pick six, Josh Giddy. Initial oh, reaction thought, when it happened. I thought uh, we were talking about Josh Primo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, continue. Uh, no, no, look, honestly, I think, first of all, initial reaction was, that's a, that's as high as we possibly thought he'd go. Um, my immediate second thought was, holy shit, that's perfect for him. Like, it's OKC, it's a team with literally no expectations. and He's got a really good guard alongside him in Shager with Alexander, and he's not in a big market. So he can grow. The team can grow with him. Like, what? what is there not to like about this situation for Josh Giddy? Yeah, it's funny. Like, we, I mean, we had thought, you know, in, in our pod last time, we, we, I remember myself and... Ben, we were talking about him going like twelve to the Spurs and thinking that would be a great fit. Like, and yeah, like Gold, Golden State right? were, and Golden State were keen on him at seven. Which, yeah. okay, great, he goes to the Warriors, but that's an entirely different level of expectation and pressure for him to be good, you know, relatively quickly. Yeah, very high, very high pressure situation. Yeah, like I just, I can't envisage a better scenario for him to get. You know, he, he gets lottery pick money and he probably has less pressure than several of the picks behind him. Yeah. Does he start, you reckon, Steve? I'm going to say no. Um, I just, I think they'll try and bring him along real slow. I think there's, because, okay, he, he played NBL and played it really well, so he's playing against grown men, but yeah. the NBA is a different beast entirely when it comes to strength and things like that. And I think... I think they'll want to get him in an NBA weights program, a strengthening program at least initially, before yeah. really throwing him in the deep end. But I, 
I could see I could see him getting spot starts just to give him some give him some confidence that way. Yeah. Um So I, I'm I'm just really excited to see how he goes. Yeah, I think he's he's one of those players like he could be anything. Um, he's got he's got the skills skill set, and like you said, he's played at the NBL level, which is against grown men. Like so. Yeah. That's, so and the that, transition that, for him shouldn't be as hard as it might be for, say, a guy with his same skill set who's coming from a college um, program straight to the NBA. Yeah, like the other, like they don't yeah. have the same skill set. But for me, the biggest problem that Dante Exum had coming in, into the league was he he didn't play college at all and he didn't yeah. play NBL, so he kind of just he he, he just wasn't quite strong enough and. You know, some of the injury problems he had, I think, can come down to, can be attributed in part to that as well. So, like, you, you look at the guys, and even though they came into the league later as veterans or, or someone like Bogut who, who did, you know, college as well, yeah. but they, they all as juniors at the Institute of Sport, they played in the SEABL. You're playing against grown men the whole time. That physicality stuff, that prepares you really well for the NBA. Yeah. Um, so I think that'll hold Josh in really good stead. He's got incredible court vision. He's, you know, it's, it's not quite LaMelo ball, but it's not far behind either. Like he's, he, he sees the floor incredibly well. His handle is really good. The shooting, yes, that was an issue at the start of the NBL season. It got better as the season went on. So there's no reason to think with more reps in an NBA program, that's going to be, that, that's not going to improve as well. So, yeah. and he's, yeah, I I just I, and and that situation I think as I said it's just perfect for him. Yeah, I I like I didn't admittedly didn't see watch a lot of the NBL action with when he was playing and I just saw him um in the final the warm-up game I think it was against was it against Nigeria they played that he played. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and he came in and he made this skip pass to the left corner. Yeah. And I was immediately like, that's not normal for a 18, 19. No. no. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to the boomers later, but like every, every game the boomers played at these Olympics, I just kept thinking, God, they could really <laughs> use Josh Giddy out there. Yeah. yeah I've got, got, I got a draft some, moment though, at least. I have some thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what's going to kill Giddy straight away and probably will plague him his whole career is just the athleticism difference. It's just a fact. It's not like, like he's big, but he's like it's going to be the speed and defending the point of attack at point guard. I, th- I think I think defensively, yes. Um, he's long and he's I, the the athleticism part. Um, yeah, at, at defensively, yes. Like he, it's not like he has to be able to dunk on people's heads or anything. He gets where he wants to go at any point. Uh, you know, every, every time I watched him play, he got to wherever he wanted to go. Yeah. So that that part of it's fine, I think. But yeah, at the defensive end, the strength and just the ability to be able to, you know, guard somebody effectively for for long stretches. I think that's that's where yep. that that might be the biggest weakness. Who does he? Uh, which position does he guard? Like straight off? Is he is he just guarding point guards? You reckon? Yeah, I think so. The shooting guard, the the, the twos in in that league are going to be too big for him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking at OKC's roster right now, and yeah, there's there's not a lot there. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't got like Derek Favors. I didn't even know it was hit. like that's wow. Um, and you know Argentinian Olympic legend Gabriel Deck is there. 
<laughs> Dick was okay, yeah. actually. It was, yeah, there's not a lot, like... I don't think I could tell you the a Thunder starting five. Like, well, the- I, I couldn't tell you. I'm looking at the squad right now. <laughs> like, it's That's it's cool. it's Shea and Lou Dort is the backcourt. That's pretty obvious. But then, other than that, it's like Pokushevsky yeah. starts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's their center? Oh, Jesus. Um, no, he's a free agent. He's a free agent. Something yeah, like was- no. So, like, surely. Yeah, like Baisley, like he's he's the power forward, isn't he? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Baisley. Baisley. But then, yeah, they haven't really got a centre right now, unless they. Uh, didn't they sign Daniel? Oh, no, that was Houston, wasn't it? That gave the money to yeah, Daniel Tice. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Roby, Isaiah Roby. Yeah, see, I was looking at his name and I was like, if he's, yeah, okay. <laughs> like okay, Mascala maybe. I don't know. No, he's a free agent. So Mascala and Bradley are both free agents. Ah, uh, okay. The point is, there's not a lot there, so. Yeah, which is exactly what Sam Presti wants, if we're being totally honest. Yes. Sure, sure. They, they have 30,000 draft picks over the next seven years. That's, you know. <laughs> uh, the basketball gods get them in the ass for tanking. <laughs> Not really. Well, they didn't, they, well, didn't get top three picks, so I think that that was the karma. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, but well, they were too good at the start, that, that ruined them. They just, they just, the basketball gods rewarded just honest franchises like Cleveland and Detroit. Honest oh, tanking. Yes. Honest tanking from Cleveland. Cleveland. Well, you, that, well, you laugh. Like, obviously, they were tanking, but if you look at the differentials, the Pistons are like only the seventh worst team. So No, I'm just thinking of Cleveland and, and their rotten luck with all the, the number one picks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that downtrodden franchise, you know, moving yeah, up from, yeah. what was it, 12 to 1 to get Wiggins? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. We've been moving up in cursed drafts. <laughs> I mean, moving up literally got you LeBron back, so I don't know what you're complaining about. That's very true. Uh, just one more bit about the youth, um, and this can be a quick hitter. It, it, like, you know, summer leagues started with Utah, but the main one in Vegas. Anything you're keen to watch? Um, for me, it's the opening match for the Cavs, which is against Jalen Green and the Rockets. So I think seeing... You know, Isaac Okoro is coming down for Cleveland as well. So seeing seeing the Okoro and Jalen Green matchup will be great. And then obviously Mobley in action. And I think um, it's got the makings of really that first um, the first summer league game that uh, Milwaukee and uh, Cleveland played in 2014 when Jabari Parker and Wiggins went up against each other and um, yep. the. Thomas Mack Center was absolutely packed like mm. seven of the NBA Finals. Wiggins really had a monster dunk in that too, didn't he? Yeah, it was that was a it was actually an awesome game, and like they both looked great, and it was just yeah, like yeah, yeah. So I think the the vibes will be very similar to that. I don't know though how much crowds they'll allow and, and things of that nature, but yeah, that's an exciting matchup for me. That's that's a highlight. How about how about for you guys? Oh, uh, look, I think it's just for me, obviously being fairly neutral about that sort of stuff. I think it's just watching the, the rookies. And, and as you said, like Okoro, like second-year guys yeah, going back in and, and seeing what they've worked on over the summer, just seeing how they look, how they move. Like, you, you can't take summer league games very seriously, but there's yes, enough there. To... <laughs> 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 um, but I think you can get a lot out of them in terms of just how the guys move, how do they look. You know, yeah. like... Yeah, I'm assuming, you know, 
Giddy will be playing it, and I'm really keen to see how he goes in that. Just to it's see. funny. I, I love the the summer league, just the instant like hot hot take reactions. Like oh, I don't know if you guys yeah. saw today, there was uh, that pic, that uh, video of Kaminga having a dunk, and everyone just lost their minds. And then I was like, oh, let's have a look at the box score and see how he went. And he had um, 18 points, zero assists, and six turnovers. So I was like, maybe you can cool it a little bit. I mean, like, not to not to do this to you, Chris, but, like, I remember Anthony Bennett's summer league games, and he looked he looked good. So, you know, like, it's... I'm honestly not meaning to do you like that, but that, that was the first thing I thought of. I was just like... <laughs> He looks good, and then the real stuff starts. And I, I, just, uh, I don't remember them at all. I've just scrubbed. <laughs> fair. Nah, fair. Uh, nah, for, for me, obviously, it's um, it's well, it's obviously Cade, but I guess to and I think our first games against Houston as well, or one of our first games is against Houston. So Cade versus Jalen Green, but I guess from an alternative perspective, just how Seku Dumbuya looks, but that's more reclamation thing than anything. Yeah. I, th- I think just it's a just for the league as a whole, like zooming out, it's a really good talent influx. Like, and obviously we saw in the playoffs last year, like the young guys like really taking it at the old guard, which was super cool. So, yeah. like, just seeing these guys like in action for the first time, especially for a draft class like this where it's been so highly touted, um, outside of you know seeing guys on our own respective teams, I think that's the most exciting thing for sure. Yeah, and I mean, look, summer league's always a fun time. Um, but let's move on to some more Australian-centric discussion. Uh, free agency obviously started the other day, and yeah. I think the it feels dirty to say this, but Paddy Mills won't be on the Spurs anymore. Mm. Going to Brooklyn. Yeah, it's it's going to be weird, isn't it? Like, and he yeah, he's, he's gone east for the first time. Like, you know, Portland to to San Antonio and. Now to Brooklyn, and you know it's it's really funny because you see some people going, "Oh, Brooklyn, I, I don't want the Nets to win," but but Patty's on there now, and yeah. and uh, and like you know, I, it was Olgan and Kane and I talked about it um, in the pod yesterday, and and we you know Kane made the good point that wherever Patty went, it was going to be a, a good fit because I sort of said, well, that's a glass slipper fit for him at Brooklyn because he can be the lead guard, he can play either guard position, and coming off the bench. You know, as a as a scorer, it's it's literally perfect. But Kane's right. Like wherever he went, he was going to fit really really well. Like the, the, it's no wonder that the Lakers were keen to sign him as well. So what would you rather him playing for the Lakers or the Nets? I don't know which one I'd rather as a Boston fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I you know he's just going to be so good for them. He's exactly what they needed, especially now that especially after Dinwiddie, they they couldn't really signed Dinwiddie without paying a really exorbitant luxury tax and he's gone to Washington anyway. So yep. for for twelve million dollars over two seasons, it's a bargain for, for a guy like Patty Mills. Well you bring up the tax thing and I mean it's like you pay that tax for that ring. And I, like I'm referring to obviously PJ Tucker in the Bucks. Um I Yeah mean, that I, I just yeah. get a little bit precious about that. It, like it's their money and all that, but like come on, you just want a ring. Well, as I, uh, yeah, but as, as I said to you, like, if they weren't paying the tax for Malcolm Brogdon, they weren't going to, even if they'd won a ring, they weren't going to do it for PJ Tucker. Well, yeah, but they didn't win a ring with Malcolm Brogdon, did they? No, but you know what I mean? Like, the quality of player. Oh, I do. You know, yeah. yeah. 
And but to me, it, it all pales because then you look at Golden State's tax bill. Like it's <laughs> it's a hundred and eighty million dollars. Like the previous record was ninety million dollars in tax, and they're paying double that now. Light years, baby. Light, Light years. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's uh, a lot reckon, of money. Yeah. Do you reckon Patty was uh, slipping some uh, some stuff to KD during today's game? Like, yeah, I'm taking all your shots next year. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe when uh, we went up 41-26 and that's what changed it. Okay. <laughs> oh, wait, this guy's my teammate now. I can't have him be shot. Like, <laughs> if he swans into camp after eliminating me from the Olympics, I can't have this. Uh, I thought it was really cool, though, to see... Um, the embrace between them two at the end yeah, of the game. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, like, like you yeah, can I just tell <laughs> Paddy's a guy who's really, really well-respected around the league, and I think that's really cool to see an Aussie guy, like, really gain the respect of um, not only fans, but, like, his, his fellow players as well. Another Aussie getting signed to the Spurs, so the pipeline continues. Um, and look, I've got a few de- tweets to, to delete about Jock Landale. Um, but he, I he don't, goes, uh, Ben, I don't. I know, you, yeah, you, you were always on this. Um, <laughs> under the two year deal, two years, wasn't it, with the Spurs? Yes, two yeah. years. Um, yeah. it's, it's a phenomenal opportunity for him. Like, again, he, there'll be, not a lot of pressure on him. He he'll be able to play the four and the five. He's versatile. He's got he can be a stretch four or five. He's got really nifty inside moves as well. Yeah. I you know I I think defensively is maybe where he's gonna he, he might struggle to find his niche a little bit. Um, but again, he's got two years, so he's got time. Um, so I I it's, it's another really good scenario for for him. Yeah, I, I think like. You mentioned defensively, and yeah, if he does struggle, it will be on that end, I think. But you saw, you know, at times with the Boomers, even today early in that game, like he was moving his feet, getting yep. out there on the perimeter on, on switches. So he's not a guy who's just like a, a sieve on the defensive oh, end. Oh, no, he's he's willing. Like, he's, yeah. got good, he's got good defensive instincts. Like, even during this NBL season, like, he didn't block a lot of shots, but he altered a few, more than a few. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he he's generally in the right area. He's generally got the right positioning. Yeah, it's it's probably more a strength thing, I think, than anything. Um, not and not that there's like a huge number of beasts that are going to be doing that to him, but I think you, I think yeah, you're right. It, it's probably where he'll have the most challenges. Yeah, he he. It's they're in an interesting spot. The Spurs, like they've gone obviously really young. You know, Paddy's gone and DeRozan's gone and they lost um, Aldridge during the year. Um, So, yeah, they're another team that's really sort of, I guess there's minutes, there's there's opportunity there uh, up for the the grabbing. So... um, I mean, Landale and Primo, you're hearing it here first. (laughs) That that Landale, Primo, pick and roll, baby. (laughs) (laughs) But... um, no, nah, I like. I remember first seeing Landau. Like, I'm not super plugged into the to the Australians, like outside the guys who play in the NBL. And I remember first seeing Jock um, when Team USA came down in 2019, and just being really impressed with this big yep. man who could he could score inside, he could uh, stretch out, hit threes at a respectable clip, and 
just thinking like this guy can, this guy's got a future in the NBA at some stage and might not be next season. And then, you know, to see him again, he was super competent during these Olympics as well. Um, so I think it's, uh, kudos to him and it's another, um, another positive sign for the NBL to get another guy uh, across from the league to the NBA. Yeah, I, I, look, everyone was telling me that Lando had that NBA future. You know, people, I don't remember who they were, but some people were saying it, and I just, I never saw it. Um, so I've been proven wrong. Yeah. Um, it's also a win, I guess, if you put Landale getting into the NBA against, or sorry, with Josh Giddy being drafted at six, it's a huge win for the NBL. Massive, massive. Like, that the NBL is getting up there, you know, where it's in conversations with people as like maybe like the best league outside the NBA. Like, may, it's probably not there at the moment, but like it's you know it's the respect for the NBA NBL now compared to five ten years ago. I mean, it's it's completely different. Like, it's it's awesome to see, and um. Yeah, it's just the trajectory for the NBL mirrors that of uh, the national team, um, which is just on, onwards and upwards. Yeah, and it's like, you know, obviously the NCAA made some changes, I guess partly in threat, um, NCAA and G League, sorry, partly because of the threat of the NBL, I guess yeah. taking their prospects, but also just general, you know, moving into the 21st century. Um but yeah, like if you look at, you know, Giddy spending his development year here and then being taken sixth, Landau coming back from Europe. Yeah. Partly circumstantial. Obviously his contract status was a bit, um, you know, a bit tumultuous with his team in Lithuania. Yeah. And couldn't really sign NBA deals when he was offered them the first time because there were only two ways, if I'm, my memory serves me correctly. Yeah. But then yeah, so both of them coming back and really building up that reputation and then signing NBA deals, it's going to, it's keeping that pipeline open, not only for like the young prospects, like the, you know, the Lolo Balls, the RJ Hamptons, the Giddies of the world. Yeah. Um, but then also conversely, the, um, you know, the, the good national team guys for, to, for them to see, cause they'd avoid the NBL until they were, you know, 35 years old, cause they just didn't see it as that pathway. Yeah. To the NBA or the national team. Yeah, for but sure. That that's, but now that that's coming back in, then yeah, it's going to be more attractive to them. But also even just for imports, like you look at someone like Keita Sykes, who, who to his credit has picked up an NBA contract, you know, with, with Indiana, but, and I probably didn't really see him as a, as an NBA guard. Like I, you know, if Bryce Cotton can't get back into the NBA, then Keita Sykes, I didn't think had any better of a shot either, but, you know, well done to him. But again, like imports can look at this and go, well, spend a year down, down here and perform and look mm. what you can get. Yeah, like like the the Lamelo thing was looking back in hindsight like such a huge test for the NBA like and and the fact sorry the NBL I should say and the fact that he came out you know off the NBL where he didn't set the world on fire like he he struggled in games he struggled to make shots but the fact that he came straight from the NBL to the NBA and had the amount of success he did in his rookie year, just amazing for the NBL, I thought. Like, and it's just going to show so many more kids in the future that, hey, this is a potential option that, that I can do use as well. 
Yeah, like it was a real, yeah, like I said, it was a massive test for the for the league and they passed it well. A few quick hitters and some other Aussies. Um, well, you won't find a bigger Delhi fan than I. Uh, and, it, it, and it was nice for Melbourne United to give that NBA out in case, like, you know, allowing it to see opportunities. But I think at this point, just um, make sure the passport's up to date. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we saw last season in, in Cleveland that Delhi, God, God bless his soul, like, he's just, he's not up to NBA caliber um, anymore, unfortunately. And, you know, he had a good run, man. Like, you know, he, those... Those memories um, in those finals, like he's he's immortal in Cleveland because of that. So, you know, retired, yeah. That 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 man had an eight year NBA career. Like, yeah. If, if you had yeah. said that, and he was a phenomenally good college player. Like, okay, so I, I saw him in in twenty twelve. Um, he was a um, he was a wooden watch list, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. And like I, I I saw them, you know, when they when their conference tourney, you know, in overtime against Gonzaga, it was in Vegas, and. Um, he, him and uh, David Stockton actually had a, this this duel down the stretch, um, oddly enough. And if you'd said that's, that's a Spider-Man meme, it is. <laughs> it is. And if you'd said to me at that point that he would that Delhi would have had an eight-year NBA career, would have you know played incredibly well in 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 a final series that they lost, and then backed that up with some really clutch play in in uh, in 2016, I would have laughed you out of the room. Like yeah. he was, he was a really handy, really good college player that looked like he would have a nice pro career, maybe in Europe. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And 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 probably end up in the, back in the NBL after five years in Europe, say. And he's had nearly a decade in the NBA. That there aren't many players who maximise their their talent and their potential and their ability, and he did that. Like, and I, this is this is a guy who literally. Played himself into hospital during the NBA yeah. finals. Like yeah. his, his body seized up. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just phenomenal. I, I can't say enough about Matthew Dellavedova and and how good he was. And yeah, you, like he, you know, he got a really bad concussion last year, and I think that's taken a lot out of him. Yeah. Um, the decision to retool the jumper. I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but that that doesn't look good now. Um, and he was a no. he wasn't a bad shooter before that, but no. that he he, he he tinkered with it before the 2019 World Cup, and I get why he did it. He needed it. He felt he needed a quicker release to still be able to get a shot off in the NBA. I get that, but yeah. there's been so much tinkering with it now that it's almost unrecognizable and broken. Yeah, um, I'm I'm actually really curious to see how he goes in the NBL. Um, his play at the Olympics hasn't been. I think what he would have expected no, it to and be. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm genuinely curious to see how he bounces back. Yeah, and, and like I'm looking at this list now. Like if you had said he'd be, uh, let's not include Kyrie for this. Uh, sixth all time uh, in games played in the NBA by an Australian with nearly 500 or, or yeah. 447. Yeah. And like yeah, I'd heard of him because uh, I think when he left college, I was um, you know late high school. So him coming out, I think I've been told by the old man, like, oh, you know, there's this Aussie kid, he might get drafted. Obviously he didn't, um, but he's like a chance to stick in the league for a little bit. Mm. Um, and I watched a couple of the St. Mary's games. I was like, oh, yeah, he looks all right. But, yeah, I never would have, like, my best guess. And I, like that summer league in uh, 2013 where he, I think his first game, he had like eight turnovers or something. Yeah. Like it was awkward. And we were like, oh, no, <laughs> this isn't going to, like, for all us Delhi defenders online, this is not going to look great. 
<laughs> it's not going to end well. Um, but yeah, look, credit to him, he's, the career he's carved out, um, he's obviously probably not going to get another NBA deal, but that's all right. Like, yeah, the career he's had, um, is totally respectable. He's, um, he had one of my all time, I was reminded of this the other day when I, when, when we were talking about Delhi online and he had one of the, my favorite college moments by an Australian player. And that was that insane game winner against BYU. Oh yeah. Like took the inbounds pass and still managed to, and double pumped it from beyond the three-point line and hit it and lost his the, mind. Yeah, and it was the cleanest so shot has ever looked. Yeah. I think I, I remember that was on a – that shot, they had a ESPN commercial in 2013, and it was about – like, they always use that clip to promote St. Mary's games because they yep. started yep. showing St. Mary's games on, on ESPN. Um, and I remember around, like, watching the 2013 playoffs and the finals, like, just seeing, oh, tune in to this Matthew Dover, and I was just, like, real dismissive. Like, oh, I don't care about Delhi. Um, three years later, the man was winning titles in, in my city. <laughs> Who knew? But um, I remember, actually, the first um, the first game. I don't know if it was the first time he recorded NBA minutes, but it's the first memory that I have of Delhi. It's like we were playing a home game, I think, against... Um, against the Wizards, and we were just, it was just one of those games where the team just came out flat, no one had any energy, and we're down by, like, I want to say 15 to 18 points at the I start. I the game you're talking about, yeah. And, and, I don't know why, but I do. And, yeah, and Mike Brown puts Delhi in, and Delhi just starts messing shit up. And we, I think we ended up losing still, but it was just like, holy shit, like, We've got something here. Like this. Mm, yeah. Um, it's nothing like you've ever seen, <laughs> but it somehow works. And yeah, that, that catapulted him. Um, and from then on, he was in the rotation. And then obviously the rest is history. Dante Exxon. What? Free agency. You think you'd get another NBA deal? Yeah. Yeah. Given his play at the Olympics, I think. I think a reasonable thing would probably be a team offering him one year with a team option for a second. He's, yeah. he's kind of that flyer, isn't he? That low-risk yeah. flyer at this point in his career. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's all like, about, it, it's all about his body, like he's yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like he's always been the health. Yeah, the health guy. It's always like it's never been a question of the talent. We've seen that at the Olympics. It's just. You know, teams, I think, will take that cheap gamble on him. But also, Aaron Baines was announced Toronto aren't bringing him back, and he's even gone on the record and said a fulfilling year for him. Mm. He's 35, 34, 35 now. How much NBA do you think he has left? I think that's going to come down. First of all, this neck injury, um, we, we, we don't know how serious it is. Um, and... It makes me wonder, like, Toronto waving him made me wonder about that. Um, so I'm just not sure. I, I, but fully fit, he's probably still got a couple of years left. Like, it's hard, hard to find competent bigs um, who, who, are, who are pretty good defensively. Um, but, yeah, he, he had a really down year in Toronto. That, that just never fit properly. Yeah, he's a guy that can also stretch, stretch the floor. Like yeah. said, like that combined with the defensive capability, it's very, very rare to find, especially in a 
back up, you know. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, it'd be good good for him if he can get another deal on a, on a contender that maybe needs a backup big. Um, I'm not really sure who that would be just off the top of my head, but um, a guy like that is always always useful. Um, but Ben, do you do you see him him sort of sticking in the league for a little bit longer? Well, I get, yeah, Steve brings up the point about his neck, and I honestly, yeah, I have no idea the severity of that. The, the bloody bathroom has cost us the gold medal, I know that much. Um, look, fully, fully fit, yeah, he's definitely, like, his game isn't, um, his game is age-proof in that, you know, it's not going to be noticeably worse if he's, you know, 30 or 35 or 38 or whatever. Like, it's not an athleticism-based game. He's very ground-bound. Just hits hits dudes in the chest with or without the ball, um, and there's definitely value in that in the low value like deal coming off the bench for a playoff team. Like if if Milwaukee signed him to a contract just to you know screen guys for Giannis to drive on them, I wouldn't be totally surprised. Yeah. So it's so it's it's yeah it's it's up to I guess the health and what where he is with that injury because I think his value around the league is still, you know, backup centers these days on good teams are always just like old. Yeah. Older, like, you know, veteran guys who can hit a three and just generally hit people. Mm. And he kind of feels, <laughs> fits that mold. Like, the, the, he's, he's up actually with a bit more grace. <laughs> yeah. He's, like, he's another one. If, if, even if he plays another, doesn't play another NBA minute, like, has just had a phenomenal career. Like, we think about this guy. He was on the 2014 Spurs team. Like, it's, you know, this season will be eight eight seasons ago. Like, just an unbelievable run. Um, and my personal, like, favourite Aaron Baines moment is after that 14 title where he's – there's that TMZ video of him getting carried out of a nightclub. That's what <laughs> lasted. <laughs> the, uh, um, by Boris Dio, wasn't it? By Dio, yes. by I think. And the, uh, the, the second funniest bit of footage is him and Paddy just – Absolutely going berserk oh. on Julian just <laughs> outside outside Amy Park. <laughs> a couple of Collingwood nuffies, yeah. Yeah, and, and poor Jules, Jules didn't didn't even recognise him. So uh, you just get hit him with a bow, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, you know, and basically told him to to fuck off. Like, <laughs> it was like, and like you could see that that both Paddy and Aaron were still drunk. Like they were yes. clearly blind. The <laughs> Just touching back to the TMZ bit again, like, it's so good because whoever's on um, working for TMZ is just like, oh, congratulations, you played so well. And Aaron Baines just in the drunkest Australian <laughs> just goes, thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and you got Tim Duncan in the background just shaking oh, his head. Yeah. Like, Timmy, Timmy's shaking his head, that's right. Like, he's like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, just some general free agency chit chat before we get to crying about the boomers together. Instead of just talking about you know a bunch of different deals, I just want to ask you a quick one because obviously free agency is still going, and I'll probably do something later on. But what I guess off the top of your head is the the most interesting deal to you, whether it's a player getting money, like just a, a surprising fit, like what what stood out to you. Steve, we'll start with you. Uh, I mean, I just do not understand Russell Westbrook going to the Lakers. 
Like, oh, he's, I, he's picked the one trade. Bold move, but yes. No. Like, <laughs> in terms of, yeah. you, you asked about interesting fit, right? Like, yep. how does that work? Like, I get that they've sort of shored up since that move. They've, they've shored up with a couple of shooters. You know, Ellington's not a bad get for them. You know, and they, they get Ariza and Mello and, and whatever yeah, else. None. Yeah, okay. But how did, like, and, and Dwight Howard. Um, that'll, that, that'll stretch the floor. Um, but he shoots throws now <laughs> in an empty gym. Um, but how does that all fit? And like, like the Buddy Healed trade was just so much better for them in terms yeah. of what he's. And I love Russell Westbrook. Like I love what he what he does and everything. But for that team and what they need, I don't get it. Would you I'm have? Just, would you have considered, obviously hindsight now, but a Kemba Walker instead? That's the one I thought would happen. Yeah, same. Yeah, like for as, sure. As soon as he, as soon as he got dealt to OKC, I was like, oh well, he's going to get bought out and end up in LA. Like yeah. that just instead, seemed seemed like a done deal. And instead, he's going home to New York, which which great for him. But that that <laughs> New York's New York's free agency period was was a little bit wild as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I think interest-wise for everyone, it's got to be that Russ one. Like, whether you like them or not, it's just seeing how the hell this is going to work. Yeah. There's, uh, there's, yeah. There's a few like that, though, isn't there, Chris? Like, you, you look at Chicago's backcourt now as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that. how does that all come together? I, yeah. don't see, I, I just don't see it. And then the other one for me is, I guess, is, is Kyle Lowry to Miami because while that Theoretically, seems like a good fit. There, there's some dudes there with a lot of miles on the clock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the over under on games played that Jimmy, the Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry play together? Like, I would set that somewhere in the forties. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I just, I really worry about a team like that. Like, it's a classic Pat Riley team because they've got a bunch of blokes that are just going to annoy the hell out of the opposition. Yeah, they're going to be terrible to play against. Oh, absolute nightmare. Just, <laughs> oh, I, I would hate it. Hate it. Nah, it's just, um, the, the thing with Lowry is you wonder how much of last season was, you can chalk it down to, it was just a weird year, like COVID year, they're yeah. in Tampa the whole year. Like he looked pretty good the season before, but then on the other hand, he's a 35 year old point guard who's, not really athletically that gifted, um, and like you said, has a ton of miles on the body. Um, yeah. And even with those additions, like I think they're still for me, you know, well behind Brooklyn and Milwaukee. And you could honestly, I mean, it depends on what happens in in Philly. But I mean, Philly, for all its work, Wart still has Joel Embiid like an MVP candidate. Um, so and now they've got Andre Drummond. Oh, <laughs> talking about talking about interesting fits. How does that work? That's I saw awesome. the I saw the video of oh. and seeing each other today. Yeah, and MB just looks thoroughly unimpressed. It's great. <laughs> that 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 video is the uh, the classic where it's like a record scratch. It's like, hi, yeah. I'm Joel Embiid. You probably want you're probably wondering how I got here. Yeah. yeah. And then it just goes through the that's how the that's how the process documentary starts. 
if, if you're talking about interesting fits, uh, Pistons legend Andre Drummond on the Sixers, like that's yeah, pure pure story storyline. Yeah. Uh, no, what I wanted to bring up, um, and no, it's not Kelly Olynyk. Um, <laughs> was Chris Paul getting four years from Phoenix? Like, I know that he's just taken them to the finals and, you, like, he was always going to go back there, but I was a little bit surprised they gave him four years and maybe he wasn't going to agree to anything less. And I kind of, he was, like, had them over a, a gun barrel. But yeah. Because like, you're going to pay 40-year-old Chris Paul, like, almost a million dollars per year he's been on this earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Like, so much of free agency, like especially when you're not like a quote unquote glamour market, like you, it's like you just have to do it. Like yeah. it's it's sort of obviously they're completely different players, but like it makes me think of like the Tristan Thompson thing in 2016. Like Cleveland had no option but to pay up. Like and we all knew that it was overs. Um, but as a small market team, either you pay up or you lose a guy. And, and it's 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 kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like yeah, that. yeah, exactly right. And so like you know, if you're Phoenix and you're Bob Sava, you know, people have been speaking about you not wanting to pay up to field competitive teams. Like imagine the optics if you just let Chris Paul go after the season that he's had. Like so, okay. Sava yeah. has not struck me as a man who cares about optics. <laughs> no. Nah, this is a man who, you know, yeah, wouldn't pay Amare, wouldn't pay Sean Marion, like broke up a championship caliber team. Yeah. Because he didn't want to pay a fairly small luxury tax. <laughs> but yeah, so like, it's, they had to do it, like, and, and that's, that's the price, um, that you get, like, the, the positive, I guess, is that, like, Chris Paul, like, his game should age pretty well. Um, it's obviously the injury issues is a problem, but he's he's another guy who doesn't really ever, hasn't ever relied on athleticism. You know, it's all it's all above the shoulders, and that as that seems as clear as it's ever been. So, um, yeah, it's it'll, it'll be interesting to see how he ages, and, and I guess they hope that as he ages, Book will be able to carry more of the loan. Um, but did you guys see the the story about how um, I think the pe- Pelicans had either reached out to him uh, about a $300 million deal as well? Like, that was fascinating. Yeah, I, I did see something about it. What I thought was interesting was the way that um, David Kevin had uh, delved into Chris Paul's contract and just the way... as That's friend of the show, David Kevin. Friend, friend, friend of the show. My apologies. Much much respect to to uh, to the four point play man because uh, he's he's taught me a lot over the last little while while I've been reading his stuff. He's he's a son's nut, but yeah. um, the the deep dive stuff that he does is really really good. And he talked about how as president of the players association, Chris Paul had uh, manipulated the mm. uh, <laughs> the uh, the CBA rules slightly and amended the, the free agency stuff so that if, uh, rather than being thirty six. Uh, you're 38 with with full bird rights. You can uh, you can extend like the way he has now. So uh, that was really interesting. And I, yeah, I did see the stuff about the Pels as well, um, which I thought was was kind of interesting. But I, I do agree with Chris in that, you know, this is the move that the Suns had to do. Like you just can't let 
this guy who's reinvigorated your franchise, even at his relatively advanced age, you, you just can't let him walk. Um, and the minute he opts out, the minute he opted out of his player option, um, they're, they're over a barrel. Yeah. Um, just some quick breaking news, but heard it here first. Uh, Julius Randall has just agreed to a four-year, $117 million extension with the Knicks. The, the Knicks, the, the Knicks summer at the moment is that Leo DiCaprio gif of him throwing money off the, off the yacht <laughs> from Wall Street. Well, this is money well spent at least, like Julius Randall. Yeah, sure. I got, like, I got turned, no issue. Turned into an all-star, like, with the Knicks, which is just unheard of in this economy, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just yeah. The, the the Knicks have problems away that that aren't Julius Randle related. I feel like have we have we spoken enough about them giving four years to Derrick Rose? No, but go on. <laughs> like I I don't get that. I don't get uh I don't get you know eighty million dollars for Evan Fournier either. Oh, three years, sorry, three. Years. Yeah, three years for Rose, four years for Fournier. So and I, I just three for Noel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Kemba Walker goes there now, so yeah. I just, I just don't, don't get it. I just, I honestly don't. It seems like if, if you can look at it from a Knicks point of view, I think it's, it's probably like this is a franchise that hasn't had a, you know, a competent team for so many years outside of that one uh, mellow year um, in 2013, I think, and. I think for them, this is probably just, uh, hey, look, let's, let's just stay competent and let's just try and, you know, make the playoffs yeah. again. And then, and then if potentially, you know, whether it's 12 months, maybe halfway through the year, if, if a disgruntled star wants out, suddenly we've got, you know, we've got all our draft picks. We've got Barrett quickly, Mitchell Robinson, you can chuck in whatever, like, it seems like they just want to sort of stay afloat. Like that—that that seems like to me the why, why they've made the deals that they've they've done. Yeah, I, I tend to agree a little bit. In the, and they they kind of hamstrung in some respects in that I, Randall's quote unquote the franchise player, but it, it's not a name that moves the dial a lot, is it? No, like they don't. They don't have a, a megastar in ostensibly the NBA's biggest market. So. Yeah. That that kind of makes it hard for them. So they kind of do have to overpay for good talent, not great talent. Yeah. And so that makes it hard. I, I do get that part, but I still don't think it'll what they're doing at the moment. None of that seems to fit, and that's my other problem. I don't mind necessarily overpaying. Every team generally will overpay at some point for for talent. Yeah. It's how does that talent all mesh and fit? And I'm just not sold it does. Yeah. Yeah. And Steve, one guy you're very familiar with. Kemba obviously there now. I, I must say I'm I am excited to see Kemba at MSG. Um, oh look, they're, and they're gonna love him there. Like yeah, uh, I, I honestly like as, as I, I really loved Kemba in Boston. It just didn't work out, and obviously injuries played a bit of a part in that. And yeah. I would have loved to have seen him stay because he's so good in terms of being a team guy. And you know, there's there's no ego problems with him or anything yeah. like that. He's not moody. He's not you know. So all of those things that. He was really good for Boston in that regard. It just didn't work out, and sometimes that happens. So, yeah. and I'm keen to see him playing. You know, going back home. So that that should be fun. How much of how much of last year? Like, how worried are you about what he is going forward? Like, 
in terms of the struggles that he had last yeah. year. I think that was just a, a bit of a weird year. Just in terms of injuries, you mean? Like in terms yeah. of how? Yeah. Look, I, I I would worry a little bit that that those that that that, that knee will never be a hundred percent again. He's going to have to be load managed fairly carefully. Um, yeah. I'm not sure they've got the right coach for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, what? Um, no. you know, <laughs> let's ask Lowell Deng about about load management. Um, <laughs> So, also speaking of Lowell Deng, did you see that stat before free agency started? That um, before free agency still... started, he was still the Lakers' fourth highest paid player. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a getting the bag king right there. I just I love the the audacity of them trying to get it excluded. Like, I know. no, 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 no. <laughs> um, pay the piper. Yeah. Come on, yeah. T- uh, two more quick ones. Uh, shooters get paid. Duncan Robinson, five oh. year, ninety mil. Do they ever? Amazing for a guy not drafted. Highest ever contract for a guy not drafted. Is it really? Yep. Oh, wow. Um, but then also, to me, a very surprising one, Bobby Porter's gone back to Milwaukee, only because, like, you would have thought he played himself into a bit of a payday. Yeah, well, it's similar to their campaign one, isn't it? Like, it seems like these yeah. guys who have been sort of journeymen, um, obviously paying more so than Porter's, but found spots that, you know, they really thrived in, and the, and the cities both loved them. So it seems like they both took discounts to yeah. stay in optimal optimal situations, which which I, as a fan, like, love for them. Yeah, same. No, it, it, it's a big deal, I think, when, when players find somewhere they're really comfortable with and they obviously love being there that they're willing to take a discount. I, I, yeah, I like that a lot. Bit of, bit of Jakey Stringer. <laughs> oh, we don't talk yes. about AFL on this show. <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for our Essendon podcast, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, is that a thing? Yes, it is. No, it's not. <laughs> it can be. Right. Well, well, that that depressing turn of conversation leads us nicely into the last topic I've got on the run sheet. So Ooh. thanks for that. Where do you, where do you want to start? So that was, start with everything they did right. We're talking about the boomers, right? Yeah. We yeah. are talking about the 12 likeable, the only 12 likeable boomers, yes. Yes. All right. They did everything right to start the game. They Their the defense was aggressive. They contested everything. They moved the ball. On the offense, they moved the ball. They got good looks, and they made their shots, you know, at a really good rate. I think at one stage... By the time we had that 15-point lead, I'm pretty sure we were 6 of 11 from deep and they were 0 of 9. They made two threes the whole first half, yeah. Yeah, and they were late in the second quarter. So that 15-point lead, yeah, you you, you dare to dream a little bit at that point. You know it's still going to be hard, but you're like, well, can we get to halftime still up double digits or close to double digits? Like, if we go into halftime up 8, you feel a whole lot better, but... Those turnovers killed us in the, in the last three minutes of that second quarter. Okay. Those turnovers absolutely killed us. So, I, so sorry, I just there was one thing that yeah. So Brian Gorgian, who's coached incredibly well, and he, I'll say this, he he's going to forget more about basketball than any of us will ever know. So, yeah. but I, I have to question one thing. So he'd been using Chris Golding really well. He used him at the end of quarters, get you a quick three, maybe even a couple of threes. And he didn't bring Golding on at the end of the second. And he put Nathan Sobey in instead. 
And I think, and, and I've loved Nathan Sobey's NBL play. He was in, he was an MVP candidate, top three for MVP this year, and he had a really good year for Brisbane. And he deservedly made the Boomers team. You know, he had a really good camp. I, the argument is Giddy should have been picked ahead of him, and I'd, I I agree with that. But okay, fine, he earned his spot. But he's not a FIBA level, he's not an Olympics level point guard. And I didn't understand why Gorgian brought him on late when we needed to maintain a lead and Chris Goulding will help you do that. Um, and then, you know, came out flat after halftime. That lineup made me, made me sigh very heavily, you know, even on the first possession. Um, and then, you know, the US went on a big run and not calling a timeout. I just didn't get it. Stop the momentum, stop the bleeding and just, you know, and then work out how you can get a stop and get a basketball. Even when you're down six, don't panic. Mm-hmm. But it, it just all fell apart. The wheels fell off. And I think yeah. that's the most, okay. that's the most yeah. frustrating part. It yeah. was frightening how quickly it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't um, just fall off offensively. Like yeah. we stopped oh. contesting. Like Booker yeah. had open three after open three. Tatum had an open three. Like they just got all these open looks that we, you just can't give talent like that. Yeah. yeah. An open three. So, so here's my full disclosure. Uh, had my second jab today, uh, 2.45. So well done. I left work and I was watching uh, the boomers like on my phone in the car and then when my jab actual like sitting in the chair, taking my shirt off, all that coincided with the last four minutes of the second quarter. So, so I actually missed. So you. as far as I'm concerned, I saw the great parts and I didn't see the, the <laughs> awful the awful collapse. But then, like after half time, like, I was back in my car looking at my little phone screen, and I was just, like, I don't obviously yell a lot at sports. Yeah. I, I'm usually a quiet reactor. But I was bellowing in, like, this car park in the middle of Hobart City to um to call a timeout because, and, like, obviously I missed the last few minutes of the second, uh, the first half. Yeah. But then, like, being, like, the, 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 they were reading the stats out, and it was, like, you know, it's no points or like four points since like the halfway point of the second term or whatever yeah, yeah. Uh, between that at like 10 minutes game time, basically. And I'm just like, you're, you're watching them just run away with it. Just, you need, you have this mechanism. You can just do something to stop it because to me, the frustrating part as well was he had like Fireball and Exum ready to check in yeah. for like two or three minutes. And they're just sitting there and it's like, oh, I wonder if there was a way we could expedite this process <laughs> while also giving the other guys a rest. Oh, it must be too far. So like yeah, Gorgian like he's an absolute legend. He, but there was this was not his best coached game. I would have thought. I wouldn't think. No, I think that's very fair. And and you know I think he's and I think he's rightfully getting those questions asked. Like I know Liam Santamaria has asked that question. Olgan has asked that question as well. And I think everyone's reasonably asking that. Like why why not stem the bleeding? Why not just try something to make them to halt that momentum? Yeah. And I think that's – and to me, as I said, it, I think we're all frustrated by that because not only are you up 15, but even in a close game, you've got a really good chance. Yeah. Yeah. And it just – Yeah, it, it, it just – yeah, like Chris said, the, what, the, the speed of the, the blowout yeah. was – it was – Yeah. Yeah. It was like a both ends. up 20. Yeah. yeah. It's, and, uh, and I think with the timeouts, like, you'd, you'd preferably – you'd want to call it a position too early than a position too late. You know, like yeah, like the moment uh, I, I've I've forgotten the sequence of baskets, but like 
the moment, so many. The moment USA took the lead, you know, because I think they were down four at halftime, three or four. Yes. Yep. You know, the the moment they took the lead, I would have taken a timeout right there. Um, but they just kept kept letting him play, and then eventually there was a stoppage, and then I was like, oh, they'll surely sub sub in Thibel here, and Goulding came in for Delhi, I think, and I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'd, and it was just that that stretch. That's where they lost the game. Can we? Yeah, can we? Can we talk about Delhi now? Sure. Let's do it. I'm just like I said it earlier. You won't find a bigger fan than I. But I think if you look at this Boomer's team, you look at what he does. Like everything he does isn't. Uh, sorry, is covered by someone else. Yeah, and he doesn't do anything particularly at an elite fever level anymore. Like he was never the great athlete. He got by defensively on like just hustle and being a dead set pest. Yeah, that's kind of gone away. He's he was always a an okay shooter percentage wise, but it, like the shot, if it's like he'll either you know chunk up these awful threes or when he gets inside on the rare occasion he does get inside, he has this like weird like the float is completely gone. Yeah. And he has this like weird underarm scoop that surprise surprise gets blocked all the time. <laughs> um, and the the playmaking, it's he yeah he's just kind of setting things up and then just goes to the corner and just stands there. And it's not like like he was always going to go on the Olympics. That was never a doubt. And I'm not saying he shouldn't have gone. No, but he had I think at some point you got to see the writing on the wall and like he, and his minutes were going down as the tournament was going on. But I think in that second half. You've gone into the break down three, probably looking at it going, okay, we're in the fight now. We've gotten away with probably a, a really, really messy last few minutes. Yeah. This is Team USA we're playing against. We need to throw all our chips in the middle here. We've got to try something a bit left field to beat them. Let's start Fireball. Let's start X and mm-hmm. I just kind of go from there and then like really push those guys. Because X improved this game. He was awesome. X was great. The last two games, he's been awesome. Like, he looks as athletic as ever. His shot looked good this game. He was hitting yeah. a couple of threes. Just getting inside a will. And the thing with Exum is he's getting inside, and then, like, oh, what's the decision? Yeah. And, like, he was a bit messy against, I forget who our second game was against, uh, Italy. Yeah. But then against uh, uh, Argentina and, yeah, today yeah, against man. the US, he was, like, yeah. really good getting inside, finding guys or just finishing. Mm-hmm. And, like, I would have thought they'd want to try and elongate his minutes just based on how well he was playing. I mean, and the other part, I just not enough Josh Green minutes. I get that he's a kid and I get oh, the gorge. I didn't get that. Oh, I, I oh, get the yeah. gorge. I, I've, got, I've got things to say about Josh yeah, Green. I, I get the gorge, trust the vets, and, you know, you, you go with what got you there. And, and all that, I get it. But you get to the US and you need athletes. Yeah. And... I just didn't quite I, – I just thought there were more minutes there for him. Especially especially in this – because you got to understand in the second half, like at halftime, you got to understand that the U.S. are going to tighten up defensively. Like they were pretty poor for oh. the majority of the first half. So, yeah, they were loose as. So, so then you got to think about, okay, well, we're not going to get as many – good looks in the half court, so our best chance is to get defensive stops and get out in transition. And for that, you need as many athletes on the floor as possible, so you're talking Thibault, Exum, and, you know, Green would have been... Would, it would have been good to see him. Like, in this, if it's any matchup, this is the one. 
Like yeah. that that man has to guard Luka Doncic at Dallas training every day. <laughs> like yeah. you you can't tell me that he couldn't have been able to. Well, yeah, yeah. Here's here's, here's where I stand on. So like, and we've spoken about Giddy probably should have been on, like in hindsight, Giddy should have been on this tour as well. <clears throat> um, but I I, st- I struggled to like. He he'd be in the same boat really. It'd just be two kids sitting on the bench doing nothing. But the way Giddy's treated, uh, sorry. Gorgon's treated green to me looks like envision like say Dyson Daniels was on this team instead, like mm-hmm. a seventeen year old kid, eighteen year old kid or whatever, about to go to college or like you know just fresh yeah. out of school or whatever. Yeah, like getting getting him along for the tour just like for the experience. Yeah, like the ni- like the nineteenth man in State of Origin, like a, a kid they just bring in early just to like get expose him to yeah. that whole culture. But Josh Green has had you know, a year at the University of Arizona, like a really high-level program mm. with Sean yeah. Miller as a coach, and then a year in the NBA, like you said, guarding Luka Doncic and Tim Hardaway Jr. and all these guys in practice, Jalen Brunson, with another demanding coach in Rick Carlisle. Mm. And he's been he's been treated like a like a 10-game NBL teenager instead of like a guy who's got a year of NBA experience and is known for that all, like, you know, that defense and athleticism, all that the stuff that a lot of the other guys on this team just sorely lack, like, is that point of difference, like, I would have thought, especially, yeah, if there was a matchup to, like, break him in, I would have thought the athletes against USA, surely. Especially, like, because we saw how much Matisse Thibel's athleticism popped, like, on this team. and Yeah, he, he is next level, but yes. Yeah, and, yeah, and like, we, we wouldn't say Matisse is an unbelievable athlete, but in comparison to this team, like, he looked like Zach Levine out there at times. Um, so it's a, it's an area where the team clearly lacks and I think it would have been good to even, even listen, you don't have to start the kid, but you know, just change it up, change it up, you know, just chuck him out there and see what happens for, for two, three minutes. Well, well, legitimately, like if you look at up and down this squad, how many plus athletes would you say there are? Maybe three, you know, five or and green. Yeah. Like there's a lot of. There's a lot of brains on this team. Let's put it it's, that way. It's a it's a cerebral team, no question. Yes, it's a it's a you know bank shots, um, all distances. You know, banking in corner, th- uh, banking inside threes type of team. It's a it's a long socks and shirts under singlets the park type of team. <laughs> uh, sorry if this is hitting a bit too close to home, Steve. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, they just that like, and the one thing I'll finish on for this, um, from a rotation perspective, like starting all of Delhi, Landale, and Nick K works against Argentina, who are probably the most unathletic team left in the Olympics. Yeah, you know they're starting, yeah they're starting the the fossil of Luis Scola. By the way, how good was that moment when he subbed out? Unbelievable. Um, but yeah, so like it works against Argentina. Starting those three guys who like Delhi tries hard and Kay's good positionally, but Landale also like, you know, three pretty like negative athletes or maybe two ne- bit harsh, harsh on Jock. Mm. But three guys who aren't like going to be that great defensively against this American team to start all three of them. Like at least even just start five or like give one because you saw when he came one in that first half. Yeah, just the, the difference he made alone. Yeah, um, and he's been doing it all. He's been doing it all day, sir. So yeah, 
Yeah, I, I mean, projecting forward for the, for Paris in three years, like how many of these guys aren't aren't there, Steve? Do you reckon? Um, in this, in this current, out of this current squad, the majority of them will be there. Yeah, like obviously, I I think we 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 run a line through Delhi, blessing. Yeah. Um, Sobi, I don't think makes it. So like you, you, I still Baines possibly not either. Really depends on on how that injury goes and and where he's at. So you would think Ben Simmons is obviously an X factor there if we can get him. Great. Um, oh, I don't. <laughs> no, you know you, you you just can't rule him out. That's the problem. I know, but it's the hope that kills you. It yeah. always is. It always is. I know. Um, so yeah, it. it it, it looks really interesting, doesn't it? Because you would still think that, that Joe Ingalls and, and Paddy Mills would, would be there, but yeah, I, I think the, the level of influence they have in terms of their presence on court would be vastly different. Yes. I think, yeah, you know, this is, this will be a, a Matisse Stiebel, Josh Giddy, uh, yeah, Josh Green team, um, yeah. Jock Landale, um, Nick Kay. I can't talk enough about Nick Kay. Um, yeah, I've got some just, to delete about Nick K as well. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you, you got some walking back to do on, on both those dudes. Yeah, <laughs> um, but but like just both of them, but, but Nick especially, just he's strong and he gets to the right places. And yeah, he, he might get abused occasionally, you know, by more athletic types. But you, he, he's he's the perfect big for us. Yeah, Perf- perfect international big. Yeah, and obviously, yep. yeah, obviously, thrust into a bigger role through circumstance, but um, also, like, yeah, the the timeline, sorry, the pipeline, like, you don't know who's coming through as well, but you'd imagine someone like Dyson Daniels is probably Dyson's. Dyson's the most likely to 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 make a a World Cup or or, or the next Olympic squad, as as you say, like that as that young kid who they're bringing along. Um, no issues with Duop Reith, like he, yeah, he. He looked good, good hands. Yeah. He, he's fine. I I would happily have him in the Boomer squad going forward. Mm. Yeah, I, I rated Reith's uh, contributions. Uh, maybe you never know what happens if Thumb Maker gets playing time somewhere and then he makes a resurgence. <laughs> no, dreams are free, Ben. Um, you, you might as well use them. Um, I just, I just, again, it, he has not had enough court time anywhere. Like we, we worried about exiting. Yeah, hence the qualifier of if he gets playing time, yeah. which I did say. And it's three yeah. years away that makes the Olympics. Let's, um, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, look, I mean, it, there's someone like a Brock Moten to consider there as well. Yeah, Brock Moten, Xavier Cooks. Would, would Ryan Brockoff be, be around? Tough, tough one. Um, yeah. I, I, I would like him to be. Um, but I, I, yeah, we, we just, uh, he needs to, to get himself better. Um, yeah. And and that's so and, and that's now, that, off, yeah, yeah, and that, that he's also thirty, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's I, I, that, I'd love him to, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, not not so sure about that one. I'd say Golding has a chance at least to to still be there in three years. Sure, smart international player. He knows he, he does. You know, he one thing, one in thing, three years, but yes. one thing exceedingly well, and if you can still do that in a international level then you're probably taking because we're probably not going to have a lot of sharpshooters. Well, that's what um, I was going to say. Like, you even yeah. look at, like, this team currently and they were like, well, Golding just becomes this sort of 
X factor because he's the easily the best shooter on the team, even considering Patty Mills, I would say. Um, and then you just like you don't know how the the squad in three years is going to project, but you know if it's largely remaining the same, that there's it's not known for shooting now. So you think if he's still in like that reasonably good NBL form, uh, he'll have a a place as like an end of the bench coming to hit a couple of threes kind of guy. Yeah, Xavier Cooks is the interesting one. Um, I, I he was very unlucky to to not uh, to not make the final twelve. And you, you kind of think he might have been able to maybe help against a team like the US. Um, yep. I'm always intrigued by, by what he brings. So yeah. I, I, I think there's, there's still, there's still time for him. Yeah, he's still quite young, isn't he? Yeah. I've got his age in front of me, but I assume he's about, yeah, 25. Oh, he's a very young, you know, in his prime almost, I'd say. And also I've just, I've just Googled Xavier Cooks and there's a picture of Jordan Hunter. So good one. <laughs> Yeah, he's yeah he's what twenty five, twenty six, isn't he? Zay? Well, he's twenty five, and I brought that up the prime thing because obviously I'm twenty five. It's just a perfect age. So yeah, right, cool. In his prime, <laughs> prime quags. Get me over there. I can hit a corner three. I've seen your shooting form. That's and it line. works. And it works. <laughs> you make Michael Carter Williams look like Ray Allen. <laughs> no, just because I was wearing the Carter Williams jersey <laughs> in that video. <laughs> uh, do we have any final thoughts on the boomers? Um, Ron's right, baby. Let's do it. Um, yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm keen yeah. for them to play. I'm, I'm hoping France beats Slovenia. I, I, I want no part of France for a bronze medal. <coughs> do we know the scores? Uh, no, France, were, France was up by six. six at the at the end of, at the end of three quarters. Okay. Yeah, so well, there's six and a half minutes left. I'm at the time of recording. Yeah, and Lucas just hit a fit. Lucas just smashed his arm against the glass panel. So, mm-hmm. oh, so Lucas tried to save the ball going out of bounds, and he's hit, he's hurt his hand, but he looks all right. Okay, but yeah, so Slovenia is up uh, down five at the moment. Yeah, uh, yeah. Look, I think we're well equipped to deal with Luka compared to the other teams because, like, it all comes back to Fireball, really, because a yeah. lot of the questions are on defense. Yeah, um, but I think France definitely. Like, yeah, I want no part of France, a veteran team with like all those guys in a medal game. Mm. Yeah, it's it's similar to the Spain matchup, really, isn't it? Oh, you how dare you bring that up? <laughs> Treat that that's payback for the Anthony, Anthony Bennett. I was waiting for that. Yeah, we're Australian too, so it's like, as, both as, as much as um, as much as France would. Be a suboptimal matchup for us. I there's a part of me that just would love to see Luca. Oh yeah, going up against Team USA with a gold on the line, like yeah. just ah. Oh. And on the flip side, there's a part of me that would love to see us deny Rudy Gobert a medal. Ah oh, yes. <laughs> a- anytime we can get Rudy Gobert on a losing losing side, that's a win. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, did you want to answer the troll questions we got, Steve? <laughs> oh, no, spit them out. Like, go nuts. <laughs> uh, I won't say them all because they're all fairly similar. Um, so we'll start with uh, <laughs> uh, Jared Potter. How do you put up with Steve's incessant whining? Chris, do you want to take that one? 
It, I, I think it's just through through the bombers chat. It sort of drowns it out. Jared, yeah. well, it's, if that's not a chat I want to be a part of, just quietly. Um, <laughs> that's the elite chat, mate. Yeah, uh, Jessica asks, uh, do you, Steve, do you prefer the bronze in the 96 Olympic high jump or 211 against England at Old Trafford to retain the Ashes? <laughs> oh, it's the Ashes. I, I assume the uh, bronze medalist was also called Steve Smith. I would assume so, yes. I don't even know. <laughs> I'm not across all of the Steve Smiths. I'm across most of them. I'll, 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 I'll confirm at the next club meeting we have. Guys, Slovenia's just tied the game. Uh, and the last one I'll read out. Uh, Steve, could we have improved our chances by making any changes to the ball today? That's by Reese Brown. <laughs> I can't believe I'm, uh, I've, I've got a question about ball tampering. How original. Um, <laughs> look, Possibly. I think uh, they could have done the old trick of, uh, you know, like the old New York Knicks Phil, in Phil Jackson's playing days where they kept a pin in their uh, belts to uh, reduce the air pressure because they didn't like a, they wanted a ball that uh, didn't bounce, didn't bounce well, you know, didn't bounce high off the rims or anything like that. So they'd let the air out of the ball. Is that the, that's the original deflate gate? It is. There you go. Meanwhile, the, the Lakers of the 80s would uh, pump their balls over the recommended inflation pressure because Magic Johnson liked a high dribble and uh, a, those sort of overinflated balls had uh, really long rebounds starting uh, a fast break. Right. Game, gamesmanship. Okay, and with all that talk of overinflated balls, I think we'll... Uh, oh, that's definitely time to go, yeah. That, that's, that's a great end it. Yeah. Chris, where can our loyal listener or listeners follow you? Ah, uh, yeah, just um, for my trash takes on Twitter at cdesilva23. And Steve, it's uh, Steve Smith forty nine. Is that the is that the one? That's that's the one. Um, and <laughs> if you delete the four and the nine and replace that with ffx, you'll get me and my completely trash uh, Simpsons uh, filled memes and takes. <laughs> Can't confirm they are trash. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well, well, I, I should have said that hurtful. after I said, well, you can follow me because now I'm just going to get it right back, aren't I? <laughs> uh, you can follow me for, you know, my... Oh, I got roasted for having a blog the other day. That was cool. Uh, my WordPress blog as well. Like WordPress, 2012, Jesus. Uh, you can follow me at Ben S. Quag, um, or Quag, however you pronounce it. And... Beyond T Fence for anything official correspondence related. But other than that, uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. See you guys.